0: please stand. For the reading of God's Word, we are in a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and within that, a series on the Lord's Prayer. And today we come to the final petitions in the Lord's Prayer, as recorded in Matthew. I will spend this Sunday and next on this final petition in Matthew 6:13, but we will read the whole prayer together. I mean, together, I want you to read this with me. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. If you look closely at the last three petitions of the Lord's Prayer, you see provision. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Next you see pardon. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And now we come to a prayer which is for protection. Provision, pardon, protection. in the order in which Jesus gave these matter. When we recognize that we have been forgiven of our sins, true believers long to sin no more, We long to live a life that brings glory to God in every aspect of our life. We long to sin no more. But we know this side of heaven, that temptations are going to come at us. And from within us, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Already today, think of all that you've been tempted with. Pause for a minute. Think about it. All that you've been tempted with. I I can only speak from my own experience, but I can tell you the moment I awoke, the enemy is active. He's bringing intrusive thoughts. He's bringing fear of man. He's bringing anxiety. He's bringing envy. All sorts of things haven't just come at me. They've come at you. And the reason is because we live this side of heaven in a very dangerous place, with a very dangerous enemy. This morning and next Sunday, we're going to look at this petition. Today, I'm going to focus on the first part, lead us not into temptation. There's three questions I want to begin to answer. First, why do we need to pray this prayer? And you'll see because of the danger we're in. Second question, what exactly are we praying When we pray, lead us not into temptation, there you're gonna see dependence. And then third question, what can we expect from this prayer? And the answer is deliverance. Why do we need to pray this prayer? I've already said it. This side of heaven, we live in a dangerous place. Turn in your Bible to 1 Peter 5, Verse eight, if you don't have one, pull the blue pew Bible out in front of you, but I encourage you to bring your Bible all the time. We're always moving through different parts. The man who wrote this letter, Peter, was carried along by the Holy Spirit. Imagine the last conversation Peter had with Jesus before he went to the cross, before Christ went to the cross. Matter what, imagine what Jesus was telling him. Peter just said, they may all leave you, I will never leave you. Jesus says, you will. You will deny three times you even know me. Peter didn't think that was possible. And I'm telling you, some of you think there are certain sins that are impossible for you. And you believe that because you don't truly recognize how dangerous the enemy is and how much the enemy wants to devour you. Peter's told as Christ has called him and two others closer to him when he's in the garden. Peter, James, and John, they fall asleep. Jesus comes back to them. Can you not stay awake? And Jesus says to him, pray. Pray that you will not fall to temptation. And he did. Here, Peter, carried along by the Spirit, speaks of our enemy. Listen to what he writes. First Peter 5, eight. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Let me read that again. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. When I was a child, I grew up on a street named 38th Street. The street perpendicular to that was called Markwell. I was two houses in on 38th to the west, and at the house directly to our east, there was a shortcut between two houses, a narrow alley between two fences. On the left, there was a couple. I actually never saw them, but I saw their dog. They had a chow. And the chow had been groomed to look like a lion. Short back hair, but this big, almost mane was present. This dog was mean. And partly because we would walk by and kick the fence. We would agitate this dog. We didn't know the dog's name, but we called it the lion. And every once in a while, the gate to that yard would be open. And when the gate to that yard was open, we yelled to one another, The lion is out! The lion is out! We were scared. We should have been. We would run to our homes or climb a tree and wait for the lion to be behind the gate. But once, when I was in fourth grade, it got a hold of my next door neighbor. It mauled her leg. I'll never forget seeing this six or seven year old little girl, Tina, with these bandages. And then when the bandages were taken off, the stitches. And then when the stitches were removed, the scars that remained there. That dog tore into her. He was a dangerous dog. We have an enemy that Peter is warning us about from his own experience of what the enemy seeks to do. Listen again to the words. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Well, you are someone. Your children are someone. Your parents are someone. Your friends are someone. Your pastors are someone. The word roaring means the howl of a beast in fierce hunger. That's what the word means in Greek. The howl of a beast in fierce hunger. The word prowls, seeks, means in search of someone. Both those words Roaring and prowls are written in the present tense, which means that it's continual, that it's always. The gate is open. He is roaming. He is roaring. And what does he want to do? He wants to devour someone. And you are someone. Even if you're in Christ, you are someone. We are vulnerable. The word devour... I really want you to hear this. The word devour means to drink down and swallow up completely. The word devour, which is the activity of this roaring, prowling lion, is to drink down and swallow up completely. If Satan were being interviewed, And he was being honest. And the interviewer asked the question What do you desire with every temptation? And if he was honest, and we don't really need him to be because God's word is, his answer to every temptation would be to devour them. Temptation to a critical spirit, to devour them. Temptation towards lust, to devour them. Temptation towards pride, to devour them. Temptation towards greed, to devour them. Temptation towards self-righteousness, to devour them. Temptation to make fun of another person created in the image of God, to devour them, to drink them down, to swallow them. That is Satan's aim with every temptation. You might think your sins aren't as bad as another. He wants you to think that in order to devour you. You might think, I'm glad I'm not like them, just as the Pharisees did. He wants you to think that way, that he might devour you. You may think, I know I'm struggling with this, but I can't tell anybody. I might be rejected. I might be just excluded. I might be seen differently. He wants you to think that way because he wants to devour you. Satan's purpose is not just to annoy us or to agitate us. It is to devour us to drink us down, to swallow us completely. And every one of us, just as it was true of all the saints who have gone before us, encountered this dangerous one. That's why Jesus says, pray and lead us not into temptation. But what exactly are we praying when we pray that? We see the danger We know why we must pray it, and all of us must pray it. We must pray it the moment we wake up, the moment we turn on the screen, the moment we engage in a conversation. All day long, lead me not into temptation. All day long, lead me not into temptation. But what are we praying exactly? First of all, the word temptation can mean three things it can mean a test, it can mean a trial and then it can mean temptation itself. Turn in your Bible a few pages to the left to the book of James chapter one. James does a remarkable job explaining the difference between trials and tests and temptations. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, the first thing we need to know is that God never tempts any of us. James chapter one, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So we can never see when we pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation, that God is leading us himself towards evil. He does permit Satan to tempt us. You can see that throughout scripture. God brings tests and he brings trials. And these tests and trials are meant to show the convictions that we have to stand firm in Christ against those tests and trials. James earlier in chapter 1 says in verse 2 Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's the same word test, trial, and temptation. But God never tempts or entices us towards evil, but Satan does. Satan, permitted by God to tempt us, is always tempting us towards evil. Trials by God are seeking to show the best in us, while temptations are always meant to show the worst in us. So when we pray, Lord, Father, lead us not into temptation, we are praying for ultimate protection. Kevin DeYoung says it this way, We're praying, do not allow me to be near the allure of sin. Do not bring me near to the devil. Do not permit me to be in a situation where the enticement to sin will be greater than I can bear. And so we pray, Father, lead us not into temptation. When we pray this prayer, what can we expect? And I'm going to unpack this more next week we can expect fully that God will answer the prayer. Jesus teaching his disciples to pray ended with this final petition and lead us not into temptation. That means that whatever temptation you've already faced today, whatever temptation you're facing even now, whatever temptation the Spirit brings to your mind. You and I must pray, lead us not into temptation. And when we do, we can count on God every time, every time, every time, not just some of the time, every time to not surrender. Surrender. God will answer. It's his protection. It's his provision. It's his deliverance. But what does that look like? It looks like the means of grace. Prayer. Jesus teaches. Pray. Lead us not into temptation. Along with that, guess what? Even now, Jesus is interceding on our behalf. What I want you to know about the Savior is he intercedes on our behalf is he was tempted in every way, just like you and I. Hebrews 2 says, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Is your temptation lust? He can help you. Is your temptation greed? He can help you. Is your temptation anger? He can help you. Is your temptation coveting, jealousy, envy, gossip, slander, self-righteousness, whatever it is, he can help you. He too was tempted by the evil one. Matthew 4. And in every case, Christ relying upon his relationship with the Father never once surrendered to any temptation. The means of grace is prayer. It also includes his word. We watch Jesus, the person, defeat Satan time and time again in Matthew four by quoting the word of God. We also see the means of grace in fellowship, gathering together like this, but also in confessing our sins to one another and sharing with one another the ways in which we are tempted church discipline is a means of grace meant to bring about a person before the lord to say do you believe in his grace and mercy and lastly the sacraments baptism and the lord's supper these outward invisible means of the inward invisible grace So often though, we don't avail ourselves of the means of grace. You know you're struggling with something, but you're not really taking it before the Lord with everything that you have in him. Friends, to be tempted is to be a fallen human being. To be tempted, even as we are in Christ, is to continue to experience the reality that the gate is open. He is looking for you because you are someone. He wants to drink you down, swallow you whole. You, your children, your pastors, your friends, that's what he wants. And he's crafty and he's resilient. But he's not God. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not even omnipresent. Only God is. And when we avail ourselves of all that God has given us and we pray, to lead us not into temptation, what can we expect? We can expect him to fulfill his promises. And he is the one who says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you which is not common to man. He will provide a way out, always. What the means of grace do is they remind us of his power. And they also remind us that his power His resurrection power is ours. It is in us. And when we avail ourselves of the means of grace, we can stand in the victory that is ours in Christ. The gate is open, but so is the tomb. The tomb where the body of Christ was laid, the stone was rolled away his body wasn't there. He said it was finished. Three days later, when they went to see his body, his very own disciples, met the angels who declared, he has risen. Our risen Lord, the one who taught us to pray and lead us not into temptation, he is the one who reigns as king now, omnipotent, omniscient, omniscient, He knows what it's like to struggle with temptation, but he never sinned. He knows the adversary. He's spoken to him directly. I never have. Neither of you. He spoke to him directly. The greatest temptations that Satan could bring, and he defeated him. Satan, though the gate is open, Has been defeated. And that's why Peter will tell us in Christ, resist him and he will flee from you. How do we resist him? By availing ourselves of the means of grace, all of them. When we come to the table here in a few moments, this table is not a Presbyterian table. It is a table for the people of God. It is a table for those who have trusted in Jesus, who rest and receive him alone for salvation. It is not a table for those who have yet to believe in Christ, lest you would come forward and eat and drink judgment on yourself. So stay in your seat. Don't come forward if you don't know Jesus. But it's also not a table for those who are waiting to have a better week or a better day or a better battle against all the things that have been mentioned and more. No, we need this while in the battle. So we want you, we urge you to come, and as you come, claim the victory that is yours in Christ Jesus. Our ability to overpower, to resist the evil one, is because of the one who is in us, Christ in us. This side of heaven, you and I are going to continue to face all sorts of temptations. And every time, it's a chance for us to say, Father, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Next Sunday, we'll speak of that. Let's pray as we prepare to come to the table. Father, it's such an encouragement to know that we're not alone. We could never fight against this enemy and win in our own flesh. We could never declare victory apart from you. But in you, Lord, no matter how hard, how intense, you give us everything we need, including one another, including your word, including prayer, including this meal. So as we come to this meal, Father, as we listen to music, as we sing, we pray that you would feed us, that we would drink down your blood. We would take in your body and the experience of your presence in this place. The mysterious presence of Christ will feed our souls and prepare us once again for the battle. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.